Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we have a star-studded cast including Tim, Lachlan, Lauren, Lucy and Justin. That's no moon, that's Ceres, the mysterious object lurking in our solar system. And we've sent a new probe to go check it out. We also talk about floating cities on Venus or floating man missions to explore it and how you could actually build something to survive on Jupiter, maybe even ascend. We also find out with an ingenious method how much of Mars was covered by oceans. In the asteroid belt that lies between Mars and Jupiter, there's a mysterious object that is not quite a moon. In fact, no, it is no moon. Although it does have a large circular indent that makes it look awful a lot like the Death Star, Ceres is one of the largest dwarf planets in our solar system. It lives in the asteroid belt and is in the largest object, in fact, in the asteroid belt, clocking in at 950 kilometres in size, which is, you know, just over the distance between Melbourne and Sydney. So it's pretty big when you think about it. It was first discovered in 1801 and not really understood what it was, just that there was this weird object hanging around in our asteroid belt. But that was all changed this year, and in fact very recently, a couple of days ago, when the NASA spacecraft Dawn went for a bit of a visit to Ceres. Uh, and it's one of the first missions that I've actually said out to these really large asteroid belt objects explicitly to study these unusual things that are living in our solar system. Launched in 2007, the Dawn spacecraft from NASA has been travelling through our asteroid belt and the planets around Earth to make visits to first Vesta, uh, another asteroid belt large object, in 2011, and then on to Ceres. And it's now, in fact, sitting around in orbit around Ceres. And why is this important, Justin? What's useful to know about these weird, unusual objects? Well, aside from the fact that it looks like a Death Star, it is actually a really interesting object in our solar system. We actually suspect that uh, most of Ceres' mass is a large chunk of water, probably about 50% of its volume would be water ice in some form around a rocky inner core, which is it's actually more than the total amount of fresh water on Earth when you think about it in size. So from that perspective, absolutely fascinating to go and study other sources of water in our, in our solar system. It also suggests, due to the large craters on it, is that it's probably had some volcanoes in its past. So there's a lot of mysteries about Ceres that we really want to get to understand. And it's our, our first real chance to study one of these dwarf planets up close and personal. So good on you, Dawn mission from NASA. We're going out there and actually starting to find out some really interesting things just lurking around the corner in our asteroids. Um, but this actually gets to a really amazing thing that I was reading about. So NASA released their long-term strategy uh, for uh, the next 30 years. Is money? It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Aside from that, this is egg, related egg, to their budgetary, <laughs> budgetary things. But one of the things that they've said is a, a project that they can see a lot of value for that they want to start doing prep work for. Like, this is what they always do. You know, they have these long-term plans. 80% yeah. yeah. of them don't happen. Some of them do. This one is for a manned mission to Venus yeah. that will basically be building Bespin, so a cloud city, 
floating above the toxic cloud layer on Venus. Because, of course, the outer, uh, the upper cloud layer of Venus totally is a little fine. bit habitable. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine. I like, wouldn't say totally fine, <laughs> okay. but, but it's more fine than, more fine than, well, like, than Mercury's uh, um, lead seas. <laughs> yeah, what? but like so, so the problem with you Venus. Should source of lead though. Yeah, mm. the prop the problem with um, Venus's surface is aside from the greenhouse effect running insane, and extremely high pressure, incredible acid rain that will burn through things. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly high pressure, and there's not very much light, and it's basically a nightmare furnace death zone. Good way to be tossed off. Hell. Yeah. Be tossed off hell. into yeah. from Vesper. Yeah. So basically, what they're suggesting is, why don't we just build a mission that will then float above that yeah. cloud layer in a reasonable size? It's a planet size similar to Earth. It has an atmosphere, so you're not being out of the atmosphere. You're just above that deadly toxic cloud you're layer. Just in the less shit bit. Yeah, and it would be a perfectly great place to visit, provided you don't go down. Vacation on Vesper. So, what's this word? Vesper. Is this the name of a place, or is it a word? Oh, oh I'm for sorry. Vesper is a. a the planet from Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars. Ah. The Cloud City. It's the right. Yeah. It's a gas giant planet where they harvest gases. It's basically like an it, oil refinery. It's, it's where, where Lando Carissi lives. He was the governor of that yeah. station. Um, but basically, it's a floating cloud city on a massive gas giant. And we could do this on any other gas giant. I like the idea that you could also have many of them. That's yeah, you have. You could have. You could. You could. Not populate, but well, populate Venus with floating cloud cities. But you could do it in not, not just Venus. You could do it on all the other planets too. The gas giants. You could float on. Okay, you can't go to the core because it's crazy land storms. But you could float in some of the middle layers, and because it's you can use the fact that the densities benefits of the gases and basically have stations that hang around. I believe I read a sci-fi once which involved a uh, civilization on Jupiter. It was entirely made of um, gas bag, like yeah, gas creatures, bag nice. space whales. Um, yeah, and just floated around. And they, they floated. They floated around um, Venus's atmosphere. They had no solid. Um, they had no solid. There was no solid land. They, yeah. they didn't have any where they said, but like aquatic creatures, they just went around and around and around. Yeah, they basically it, because there's no land on say Jupiter, you just float in the layers, and as long as you have a different density, you can you can navigate fine. It's basically wow. amazing. Yeah, yeah. See. So, <laughs> what happens if your balloons pop? Well, then you're no, in trouble. Then you die. Oh, okay, that'd be like ship sinking. Yeah, okay. basically. Well, of course, at this point, though, if you're making something this large, you wouldn't necessarily have to have balloons. You could have some sort of solid structure. Something made because if you on a large enough scale, anything floats. <laughs> like a boat floats because it's it's still displacing the amount of air. Um, the amount uh, dis- displacing more air, a, a volume of air that is of low, lower density than an equivalent volume of water. And so... That's why boat floats. But you do a similar thing with, with a space with station. Think, think about it. If, 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 I, I got another... What? If, if, if you have... If I have... If I have a boat, right, yep. like this, uh-huh. um, so a bubble a bubble in water goes yep. up, yeah? Yeah. Yep. And that's because the volume of air inside that bubble is lighter than the equivalent volume of water, water that's displaced. Directly above it. Yeah. So that, 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 if that bubble was full of water, it wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But yep. because it's full of air, it goes up. <laughs> now a boat, being full, most of, largely full of air, stays on top of the water because the amount of water that's displaced, even though it's being pulled down by gravity, even though it's being pulled down into the water, it's staying up because it's displacing all this water with, with something lighter than it. And so it stays up. 
sense. Now, if you do the same thing, in say you have a gas, in, say in a gas giant, you've got stratified layers, you've got layers of gas, mm -hmm. so a d dense gas, less dense gas, less dense gas, less dense gas, you've got all these layers. If you make something, all you have to do is contain the gas up here and force it down to a lower level, that will stay, that will achieve a natural buoyancy above that level, yeah, above, so above a lower level. All we're suggesting is that you make something that floats yep. in the same way as a boat floats on water, just floats on gas. It yeah. sounds crazy, but you can do it. Oh, not, you just have the to have basic a, physics is there. You just have to have something large enough because we, we don't know much about this, the structure of gas, like the acid structure of Jupiter, because well, once you get down to these lower le levels, the pressure increases too much for instruments to survive. It, it, it literally it's literally crushed. We've, we've tossed. Well, have, we, have we tossed things? We've Jupiter? tossed one. One thing. Yeah, and it analyzes stuff on the way down before being crushed and then um, dropped. It would, and this thing, it would, people would go and, oh, did it make it to the core? But in more likely, it wouldn't have made it to the core because the, the elements of that composed that satellite, the things that were ma making that satellite up, even when, when crushed down, were probably less dense than the densest gas inside Jupiter. So it's probably somewhere in Jupiter. Somewhere. And though, and it's also been speculated that the core of Jupiter is a diamond. Because. It is one, a diamond is one of the mo one, one most densest things. It's not the most dense, but it's one of the most dense structures that you can make out of carbon. Well, and carbon being fairly common. Fairly common. So. That's insane. So, yeah, if you want the biggest diamond, you have to just mine Jupiter. fascinated humanity for hundreds of years. We've written stories about what might be lying on the surface, what alien civilizations ruled over that planet, what canals were carved into the surface. And we studied from Earth using our telescopes and saw all of these little patterns and rivers and valleys, and we theorized there must have been oceans there. Surely there must have been oceans. But it's only now, through lots of space exploration work with robotic missions and studies from Earth that we've actually been able to verify that, yes, Mars has oceans. And a recent paper being published in the journal Science has actually outlined that they had oceans as big as the Atlantic Ocean, not bigger, covering their surface 3.7 billion years ago. And the way we actually prove that is quite ingenious because we did it all from the safety and comfort of Earth. Well, first we have to turn back the clock and say, what happened to Mars's oceans? Well, 3.7 billion years ago, Mars actually did have oceans. There was a lot of water there, but its atmosphere is very weak. It doesn't have a magnetic core as strong as ours, which means that it doesn't have a magnetic field to protect the atmosphere from leaking out into space and being burnt away. And without that atmosphere to hold everything in, that water evaporated over time. So about 3.7 billion years ago, Mars really lost its amazing ocean. But we can study what happened all those many billions of years ago by looking at the ratio and relationship between two different forms of water. We understand, obviously, that water is in two parts, two hydrogens, one oxygen, that makes the molecule water. But there are other forms of water which play around with the molecular relationship. And, for example, there is HDO, 
which takes away one of the hydrogen and replaces it with another heavier element, deuterium, to take the place. And we call that HDO. Very similar to water, but it's basically a heavy form of water. There's various applications for that. But it's naturally occurring. But to get that, you actually have to have a, a, a amount of water in the first place. There. So you, you always see those in a kind of balance. You need more actual normal water, H2O, and then you'll see some HDO lying around. By studying this balance between these two different forms of water, over a six-year period on Earth, a two-year period on Mars, we can actually make a lot of inferences about what happened. We can see that in parts of Mars and parts of Earth, the relationship between these two levels will vary over time in different climates and microclimates. Even though there isn't much water there today, the presence of the mo molecules there that we can pick up does show a change in the balance. And by studying the Arctic area in particular, we can get a glimpse into how Mars is Arctic is performing in this balance level compared to ours. And what we found is that there is more than 7 to 1 levels of H2O on Mars than there is on Earth. Um, but obviously there's not nearly that much water there on Mars as there is to Earth. So what, they were, what they've been inferring from that is that in order to end up with a circumstance where you have that much HDO, there must have been a lot more H2O to accompany it. And by analysing this, using what mapping we have of Mars's geography, we can actually infer that many million, millions of years ago, in fact billions of years ago, Mars would have had a very large liquid layer, on average about 140 metres deep, but in some areas getting over 1.6 kilometres deep, forming a massive northern ocean covering most of its northern hemisphere, in fact. And we can actually produce some amazing visualizations of what Mars would have looked like with this beautiful, beautiful ocean made of actual water. And it just goes to show some of the amazing study that you can do without actually leaving the planet Earth. Of course, we do have rovers and other missions out there looking for proof of water and life, but we can actually study a lot by studying Earth and Mars from here on Earth using some very amazing high-powered telescopes. Maybe there won't be water on Mars in the future, um, but we can certainly prove that there was water on Mars in the past, and it makes Earth's place in the universe a little bit less special because other planets too once did have oceans, which again leads us to have some hope that maybe there was life on Mars that we can pick up with some of our rover missions. But there's many different things we can study with water on Mars, but what we do know now is that we can actually study the levels of water on Mars, and in fact other planets if we apply the same techniques. So who knows what else we might be able to discover using these very powerful telescopes scattered across Earth. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. You met the Death Star like dwarf planet Ceres. We also found out how to make floating manned missions on Venus and even Jupiter. And we also talked about Mars being covered in oceans. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.